0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to How to College for First Gents, our podcast where we get together with fellow first gents to have real conversations about the decisions that they made in their career and how they got here. My name is Norma Torres Mendoza, and I'm really excited to bring you part two of our Law 101 series. On part one, we chatted with my good friend Sydney, and on part two, we will have a discussion with Julio, who has a very unique and interesting story about transferring while in law school. Now, we don't often hear this story because actually the number of people that transfer while in law school is pretty low. But nonetheless, we think that this story is super important to bring to the table because I think many people might not know that transferring while in law school is an actual possibility. So, Julio will talk about his reasons for transferring and ultimately what he does today as an attorney and why this work matters to him so much. So, let's get started. Hi, Julio. Welcome to How to College for First Gens. How are you doing today?
1: Hello, Norma. I'm doing fine. How about yourself?
0: Great. It is a beautiful Saturday day here in Houston, Texas. We're really excited to have you. Um, so tell me, where are you located and what do you do now?
1: Currently in Albuquerque, New Mexico, currently working at a law firm I organized last year at Vi a modern law firm. So I'm an attorney and, you know, that keeps me pretty busy from day to day.
0: Oh, absolutely. I can only imagine your hours. So, before we dig into what your profession is and how you got there, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about your background? So, where did you grow up? What did your parents do? And then, when did you learn that you were a first gen college student?
1: So, I grew up in Las Vegas, New Mexico. And I always have to preface it with not Nevada. And also, we were the original Las Vegas. <laughs> so, I grew up there, graduated from West Las Vegas High School, ended up staying home for college or university and went to New Mexico Highlands University, which is a four-year university. Also, they have some master's programs and other certificates and things of that nature. Graduated at Highlands, a bachelor's in political science with an emphasis in law, and then also remained there for a master's program in public affairs. In terms of uh, my parents' background, I was born to a young mother she was a teenager when she had me so her uh, education and work didn't go deep into you know higher education so she currently works as a home caretaker for elderly and then also my stepfather who came into my life at a young age as well was a contractor so he did a lot of construct construction work and you know handy work things of that nature
0: So it sounds like your family came very much similar to mine from a very humble beginning. And yet you had this aspiration to become a lawyer one day. So tell me a little bit about the thought process of when did it hit you? Like, I'm actually going to go to college and I'm going to do something different than my parents.
1: Well, I think, you know, we have those projects early on in in, uh, grade school, specifically elementary school, when, you know, they always ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, I had various ideas then, Uh, didn't quite know I wanted to be an attorney at that age. However, I did have one relative, my uncle George, he was the first in the closer family that I knew ended up doing something after high school. You know, at that age, I just knew there was high school and then, you know, he went to go do something else. Um, But eventually I ended up finding out that, you know, he went to go do college, did his bachelor's in nursing. and, And so that's kind of when I figured out, okay, there's something after high school Not only through the projects in grade school, but also, you know, having my Uncle George as a role model, so to speak, to pursue things after high school. And so I'd say at that young age is when I started thinking about it. And then throughout middle school and high school, you know, I really started to hone in on, you know, what it was or what it might be that I wanted to study after high school. And then uh, I made the decision in high school to go to college. And, you know, while I was in college, I did try a few different things. But also my parents, my mom, Priscilla and my stepdad, Steven, they would always tell me, you know, unless you want to work super hard, you got to go to school or you got to get some sort of higher education to, you know, not only avoid those tough laborish jobs, which, you know, I did do throughout high school. So I got a taste of it, but also to flourish a little bit more and sort of help out the family.
0: Absolutely. I I have a very similar story. My mom cleans houses for a living, and she would take me to clean houses with her. And and that, that was always there, right? If you, if you wanted to do this very honorable job, you could do it, but it is hard and you don't get paid much. And so she would always tell me, if, if this is not what you want to do for a living, then college is the only way out, um, which sounds kind of very similar to what your mother Priscilla would say to you,
1: right? Yeah, exactly. Same thing, you know. I also worked with my grandfather as well on similar construction type work, and you know, he'd always tell me, you know, unless you you want to be sitting in that office with the air conditioner.
0: <laughs> yeah, hashtag the dream. Except no one warned me about the crazy long hours that I work though. <laughs> For some reason, I thought it would be easier, and it, in some ways, it is easier. Just also the long hours. But tell me a little bit about Las Vegas, because I happen to know my husband grew up in Las Vegas. So just for our audience, maybe give us some context. Did all of your friends go to college? And if you were somewhat different, what what do you think made that difference in your life that you chose a different route?
1: Well, I think you know my upbringing was was a solid one. Um, Las Vegas, New Mexico, especially in the 90s was you know it was a p- tough place to grow up and it is to this day as well. Um, as you know, in New Mexico, most of the population lives below the poverty line. So there's a constant struggle to, you know, make ends meet and uh, just get the basic necessities and eventually try to do a little bit more. But, you know, that's kind of the the tough part about growing up there. However, they're also a flip side. You know, it's a small community. I believe there's about 13,000 people out of there. So it's a really small town. You know, everybody kind of knows everybody. So, you know, that's a that's a plus could also be a downfall, though. But It's a very historic community, very rich in history. Interestingly, there's two school districts, uh, West Las Vegas High School, where I graduated, and then Robertson High School, which is what many of the locals will say is on the other side of the river. And, you know, they refer to that based upon the history. But Northern New Mexico is a very unique place. Even just driving down the road to Albuquerque, where I'm at, is much different than Northern New Mexico from, you know, family tradition to the food to you know, just how people interact and talk and, you know, from the different types of languages used and things of that nature. It's a very unique place. Um, but like I said, uh, having a tight-knit community allows people like myself to connect with the community. And when you have a, you know, humble beginning, the is there to sort of, you know, help those not only pursue what they want to pursue in terms of, you know, breaking that chain of poverty or doing something higher and greater than maybe something that their family's never done. So I mean, it's a great community. I look forward to giving back now that I've kind of gotten a little bit more established. You know, I encourage everyone to visit it. I think it has a record number of uh, historic buildings on like the historic record. So you know, it's a cool place to visit.
0: That's incredible. I did not know that. And I have visited Las Vegas, New Mexico, and I've had some of the best enchiladas there. And the key there is you have to ask for Christmas, which is both the red and And the green sauce, which I find to be quite delicious. So then you decide to stay home for college. So tell me a little bit about that. Did most of your friends stay in Las Vegas to go to college? Was the feeling sort of like we must get away? And if so, what was the thought process there?
1: I'd say most people or most of my friends, I guess I should say, stayed at Highlands. I mean, more of the friends that I had in the later years of high school, I ended up staying and going to either New Mexico Highlands University or also the community college there, which is Luna Community College. And so the decision in staying home to go to the university was mainly based upon the fact that, you know, kind of when you come from a lower socioeconomic level or, you know, lower tier, you know, growing up in poverty, you kind of don't have the means to go elsewhere, so to speak, unless, you know, you have the benefits of and work hard to sort of access the resources out there. And what I mean by resources, you know, scholarships or anything you could do that might fund you going to a university other than, you know, where you live or, or somewhere local that necessarily wouldn't cost as much as going you know somewhere more prestigious or, you know, further away from home. So that was a big part of it. And, you know, it just, felt like a good transition for me. I also did dual credit in high school. So I did take college level courses while I was in high school. And, you know, it was just an easy transition for me. And like I said, a lot of friends remained at Highlands and, you know, it just made it uh, more of the, I guess, natural thing to do. And, you know, it worked out.
0: So what I'm hearing you say is it was sort of the next transition over, right? Like you went to high school, it was a good university close to home. And it allowed you to obviously continue to be close to your family members while still getting a pretty good education. Um, So you were there and you did four years and then you also stayed and did an extra master's, right? So tell us a little bit about why you decided to go that one extra step.
1: It's a a little bit part of the story into getting into law school as well. So after I finished my bachelor's degree, I actually did apply to law school. I only applied to one school, which was the University of um, New Mexico here in New Mexico in Albuquerque. However, I didn't do too well on the entry ex- exams and uh, ended up not getting in on that initial application. So I said, you know, I took a step back, figured out, you know, how do I you know, improve my application, but at the same time, how could I make use of the time while I wait till the next round of applications are accepted? So luckily I, w- I did uh, well in the undergrad. And then also there was uh, many programs available for first generation college students at Highlands that made it easier for students like me to be able to continue in higher education. So I was able to make use of that time in between applications. And I just said, you know, hey, I might as well go an extra step, make use of the time. You know, that's what led me into the master's program. I ended up having to delay the law school application one year to finish the program. However, it kind of worked side by side because as I was finishing the master's program, you know, that's the year that I had discovered that I did get accepted into law school at a different school. So that's mainly why. But also, you know, the interest in just furthering education was the big part of it. And then of course, the ability to pay for the education and, you know, have that help at New Mexico Highlands University was a plus as well.
0: So I really thank you for being very transparent with this because I think that a lot of our first gens get that first rejection for grad school and they become extremely discouraged to continue on or to think that they can even get into their dream schools later on. And so what I really appreciate about your story is that you took a step back and you said, okay, it didn't work out the first time, that's okay. But how do I change my strategy so that I become a stronger applicant? And for you, that came down to getting an extra master's. And I'm wondering how you decided to do that instead of maybe going to the workforce and work for a law clinic or um, or do something similar in, in the law field to know whether or not you actually... Wanted to do this career.
1: So interestingly, um, I started in the legal industry during undergrad. I worked for the local city attorney, interned at the local district court, and also did a uh, internship at the New Mexico Legislature. So. This was already after the fact I had known that I wanted to transition into law. When I started in undergrad, I didn't necessarily know what I wanted to do. Initially, I thought I was going to become an engineer. However, I hit kind of a wall and the passion and drive to become an engineer sort of faded. And then I bet one of the associate law professors at the time sort of made the light bulb go off. And then from then, it's there, it's just all history. I, you know, proceeded to... Search for jobs while in school in the industry, you know, just continued down that path. But during the master's degree, as well. I did uh, work at the local city attorney's office and it was sort of reaffirming and it kind of provided me more motivation and the discipline just to continue on the path, you know, sort of know that eventually I was going to persevere no matter how many times it took me to apply to law school to get in, whether it was here in New Mexico or elsewhere. So that's kind of what my mindset was going into it after getting that initial rejection.
0: That makes total sense. So for you, it's always been more of a confirmation because you have been exposed to the field for such a long time. That speaks to the power of internships and jobs while in college, because I I think that for many of us, we don't know what we want, because we just don't know what's out there. And your story just highlights the power of that community that you spoke about at the beginning, right? Making sure you have the right internships, the right jobs to be able to get you one step closer to the career that you really want to do and that you were meant to do. So then let's progress the timeline here. So then you actually do get accepted, but you get accepted to a different university than the one you had originally applied to. So tell us a little bit about that because I thought you had only applied to to the other law school. How did you decide? Yes, I'm going to go on to Laverne.
1: So of course I had you know a few mentors helping me along the way. One of them was the city attorney, and then also his friend Plasti, though as you as you know very well, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> that's yeah, that's my father-in-law. Yep,
1: <laughs> and uh, he was a very great resource for me and to this day, you know, we we developed our relationship and now we're really good friends. And so, you know, he believed in me since the beginning, you know, even when I didn't perform as well as I wanted to on, you know, entry exams and things of that nature. And, you know, speaking with him and then just kind of reflecting on what would increase my chances of being accepted into law school, I figured, well, I know I really want to go to UNM or the University of New Mexico, but I understand that there's an opportunity to come back if I get accepted elsewhere. So I did end up applying to various law schools. One of them was University of Laverne Verne College of Law over in uh, Ontario, California. And that's where Placido worked. And he you know, said, well, you know, why don't you try applying out here and see if that works out and, you know, try these other schools. And, you know, at the end of the day, you could always try to transfer back home. And so that's what I ended up doing. You know, I made some improvements and changes to my application to, you know, give me a better chance to get admitted. And so while it was disappointing that I got rejected again from UNM for a second time, it was uh, bittersweet to know that I did get an acceptance letter from Laverne. It was a hard decision, especially uh, because my wife and I at the time were down here in Albuquerque and, you know, we're sort of betting on that I would get into to University of New Mexico. However, you know, the decision with my wife and I to move out to California, you know, we had never lived out of state and we hadn't done much traveling uh, based upon our backgrounds and upbringings. And so it was really a intimidating decision to make. However, I put the priority above, you know, my feelings and emotions and all the fears that you think could think of as moving away from home and being away from your family and said, you know, I'm going to take the leap and ended up accepting to go to Laverne. And you know, I did my first year there. And then that's how it all got started.
0: So was the intention always to transfer out? Or what, did you go in there thinking, I'm going in there with an open mind. And if it turns out that this is where I'm going to do my three years, then that that's what I'm going to do.
1: I think it was always in the back of my mind to know that, you know, I had the ability or at least, you know, the chance and the I was able to submit a transfer application if I didn't like it for that first year or, you know, I, I could transfer even to a different school, you know, other than the one here in Albuquerque. However, I also went into it with an open mind. As you mentioned, I thought to myself, well, you know, if I go, I know most attorneys, wherever they go to law school, um, that's where they end up at least starting to practice. So, you know, I was open to remaining there for the three years, taking the bar there, and then also, you know, starting my legal career there. However, like I said, the the transfer was always in the back of my mind. And I think, you know, after that first year, while I had a Excellent experience. There was just more things on one list than the other that told me to, you know, go ahead and submit that transfer application.
0: And I don't know this, but do you happen to know what percent of students transfer in law school? You are probably one of the few cases that I've ever heard of of people transferring while in in law school. Do you know? Is that very common? Do do a lot of people do it?
1: Well, I'm not sure about the. Percentage. However, it does seem, uh, like you said, rare for most law students, particularly because the way law school is set up is you're usually assigned uh, a group or, as they call, cohorts that you usually get accustomed to in your first year, which is the most important year. And, you know, you kind of have each other and the ability to rely on each other and help each other throughout law school. So, you know, it's not the usual route. And, you know, there are some difficulties in in knowing that, okay, you know, I have to go to a new school and sort of join a cohort that's already been established and then also try to get accustomed to the new school and new programs and things of that nature. But as if I recall correctly, when I transferred, I believe there were only other, maybe two or three other students that were trying to transfer into University of New Mexico at the time. I'm not sure how many were trying to transfer from Laverne to another school. What
0: are the implications? So do you have to do an extra year? So law school in total is three years. So did your law school experience last longer than three years or or how did that work?
1: Well, the way the Laverne program was set up is it did as opposed to University of New Mexico. I actually went after applying for transfer and then you know, this would be my third application to University of New Mexico to transfer over. So, you know, I always would tell people I was pretty dedicated to the school and the community. But when I submitted that transfer application, you know, the thought was what what's gonna what's what it's gonna entail and you know what what uh what am I gonna be facing and what's gonna be what, what's gonna be up against that, you know what I mean? And so essentially, you know, when I was submitting that application, I found out that Laverne actually had more credits than what a student at University of New Mexico would have had after finishing their first year. So, the only hope was, you know, they would be accepted as you mentioned, and luckily that was the case. So, I ended up going into UNM with a couple more credits than most of the first-year students at the law school had. So, I was a little bit ahead of of in of the curve in terms of credits. So, that was a plus. In transferring. And, you know, that was one of the things that I was worried about in making that application to UNM and ensuring that all those credits were going to transfer. Um, You know, of course, I did try to do dil- due diligence on the back end. However, you know, there are only some things that can be done and, you know, given a decision after you apply. And so, you know, it was a little bit of a risk to take a course that essentially you paid for and then wouldn't be given credit at another institution. But luckily, like I said, I, I ended up with a l- little bit more credits than the the first year over at UNM so i ended up doing the 3 years which is the typical law school course and i ended up finishing within the 3 years and so you know it really helped me in the transition of knowing that i had you know maybe one course or you know one uh sort of fundamental course done in which it would alleviate the stress of, you know, knowing that I had to take one extra course or two extra courses, you know, in the year that I transferred. So it made my transition a lot easier.
0: I'm really happy to hear that because like you mentioned, you did put quite a bit of your own income. So I'm really happy to hear that that was the case for you. I imagine that's not the case for everyone. And it obviously depends on where you go to law school. So for those of our listeners out there who are thinking about transferring to law school, there are many considerations that you should be analyzing before you make that very big decision. Julio, something I did not get from the story is the why. So other than, I, I imagine University of New Mexico was your dream law school for a very long time. I mean, this is your third time applying. Other than it being top choice, were there other considerations on why you decided after your one year that, you know what, it, it's time for me to, to pivot and reapply again?
1: I think the reason was after the first year, well, I was actually, you know, going into the end of the first year that I started to reassess, you know, whether or not I wanted to stay there at Laverne or Give it another shot and try with UNM again to come back home. And I think while the program at Laverne was more than, you know, anything that I could have thought of in terms of preparation and and the amount of material that I learned and just the ability, you know, and and to have a, a great star at that school, it was a tough decision because. I could see myself staying there for the three years. And then, of course, you know, California has a lot to offer, especially from someone who's coming from a northern New Mexico small town. You know, there was so much more to do and, you know, so much more opportunities, you know, much more. New Mexico is pretty diverse, but California in in, in my experience was a little bit more diverse for me and in, in what I had experienced from life up to that point. And so it was a great experience and I could definitely see myself there completing law school and and starting the legal career. But I think the reason that kind of pushed me to go one way or the other, which was, of course, transferring, was just coming back home. And, you know, part of my upbringing, I always felt committed and dedicated to the community, especially my family. That was really part of it. And I thought, you know, the sooner I could get back the sooner I could start getting involved in the community, especially the legal community, as, you know, there's not as big as you would find in other um, urban areas such as California. And so that was really a big part of it, you know, is really just sticking to what I had initially decided and, and felt, you know, the passion, the the drive, and just the connectedness to New Mexico was, was really the defining factor at the end of the day.
0: That totally makes sense because in... In the law world, it is very much about the community that you build. not to mention that you would have to take the bar in California versus New Mexico, which are completely different exams to study for. So for our listeners out there who are thinking about potentially transferring to law school or specifically our first gen listeners What are your top three tips that you would give them if they are thinking, you know what, I'm in this law school, but it might not be the right one for me. What are the top three things that you would say made a big difference in your career?
1: First of all, the first tip would be make sure that initial school you go to, you know, visit the school, visit with the professors, you know, maybe even students that are already there and really try to get a sense of the school. For me, Laverne worked out perfectly. I did the visit. Placido showed me around. I got to meet students, staff, faculty, all that stuff. And so I knew and it made the decision much easier to go elsewhere and, you know, assured me that if I had to stay here, which I went in with an open mind, that, you know, I would be happy doing it. So my, my first tip would be if you don't get into that number one school or dream law school, have those two, three or four other law schools lined up, but also ensure that they're a law school that you would want to go to because you know, the transfer is not guaranteed. And a lot of times, you know the the chances of trans- transferring are very little as opposed to you know the initial admittance which is kind of ironic in my situation because it sounds like you know it's easier for me to transfer than to get the initial admittance but um that's that would be my first tip is you know wherever you initially go make sure you're committed there and you know could see yourself potentially practicing there as well my second tip would be you know, going into that initial law school, you're going to attempt to apply to your dream law school. Look up, you know, how many people usually, I know uh, there's a percentage for some schools in terms of how many people, they might even give you the number of students that usually transfer in and out of those schools. And that'll give you a good idea of, you know, the difficulty and, you know, the opportunity there is to transfer, but also, you know, just being prepared, as I look back, the number one factor was, you know, when I thought I had, you know, every box checked, there was, there was uh, something else that I could have done. And, you know, just being as prepared as possible, you know, when you think you've done it all, there's probably one or two more things that you could have done to, you know, give yourself that level up, so to speak. And so what that entails is, you know, doing your best you can do during that first year of law school. Of course, the admissions test isn't as much as a factor, given that, you know, you'll already be a proven law student and show your ability to the law school that you're transferring to, that you have the ability to excel in law school and that you have the ability to start thinking as a lawyer and things of that nature. And so really just giving it your all in that first year is is really important. Of course, you know, there's other factors in terms of the application or the transfer application, which is your story, you know, your your statements that you that are a part of the application, you know, your why, so to speak. and. I would say try to make those as strong as as uh, you know just as strong as your grades in law school, and I think you'll set yourself up for success. But uh, you know if if you check those few boxes, I think you'll be pretty set up. But then also my last factor would be just know you, that that's where you want to you know go. Just know that that's where you're going to be committed to because you know being an attorney and being a lawyer is is uh it's a one of the more stressful jobs. You know you you do have some longer hours than most. You know, you are deeply entrenched, you are deeply committed and you are at service to many, including those that are most in need. And so I would say wherever you're going to transfer to, if you have a real deep connection or you think you would be, you know, or have a deep connection to at least to start initially, you know, those would be my three tips for transferring to that law school that you ultimately want to be at.
0: I really like it. So just to summarize, number one would be be extremely committed on where you're going to begin with, because you don't know what the probability is. So wherever you go, make sure you have an open mind that that could be the place where you end up. I really like that. The second thing you mentioned here was ensuring that you know the data and you know the data back and forth, right? What is the percentage of people that actually do transfer and that would give you a good window onto what is to come for you? And then the third thing you mentioned, it was making sure you have all of your boxes check, which means making sure you have the the grades, the essay, the personal statement all aligned to increase your probability. But ultimately, I I think that I don't know if you would agree, obviously, but a law school degree is a law school degree, right? Like you are going to be a lawyer. And even if it doesn't work out for you, you always have the opportunity to go across and take the state exam somewhere else, right? Take take that bar, even if you didn't go to that school. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's correct. And that's a huge point to make as well. You know, if so long as you're at an ABA accredited law school, you'll be able to take any bar in the country. And so, you know, as even though while it might be, you know, a, a little bit painful to not go to, you know, the prestigious or the dream law school, at the end of the day, you're still going to have the dream of becoming an attorney. So...
0: Absolutely. And there's so many ways to get there. Well, Julio, you have been so generous with your time. We thank you so much for sharing your story and your tips on how you were able to transfer from one law school to another. I will leave it off with lawyers are just so important. And I'll highlight and underline what you just said. It's because at the end of the day, you're helping people probably at the most vulnerable stages of their lives. And there are laws that can break us and laws that obviously get people incarcerated and have Impacts for the rest of their lives. So, really, it is a it is a job of service, and it is a job of making sure you are defending people and making sure that they have the right legal representation. So, thank you so much for what you do.
1: Right now, I think you summed it up perfect. You know, we all have our roles, and you know, being serving as the attorney is is definitely an honor and a privilege to serve those in our community. And, um, you know, you got to be one hundred percent committed. And I think we have we definitely have great legal professionals and. There's always some going out. And so we always need some coming in.
0: Good. So there's a piece of encouragement for our lawyers coming through. Well, thank you, Julio. Have a wonderful day and we look forward to staying in touch.
1: Appreciate it. Like I said, I really appreciate the opportunity to speak on my experience in transferring during law school and a little bit of my background. If you guys would like to learn more about my experience or, you know, any, if you guys have any questions that maybe came up in your head, don't be afraid to reach out to me. I know, uh, Uh, Normal will have some contact information for you guys. You know, like I said, I'm always happy to help anyone that has any questions or anything I could do along the way.
0: Well, that is very generous. We'll definitely uh, put your information on the website. And thank you so much, Julio, for your time.
1: Thank you. You have a good day.
0: You too. Well, that's it, folks. Thank you so much for joining in today. We hope that Julio's story was inspiring to all of you. And for those of you thinking about transferring, that he provided a roadmap on the things that you should consider before submitting that application to go to another school. It is not an easy decision, and Julio emphasized that over and over again. He was very happy at the law school where he started his career. However, ultimately, what led him to decide to transfer was his desire and his need to be back in the community where he grew up. We hope that those of you that are thinking about transferring, listen very carefully and maybe over and over again to this episode and reach out to Julio if you have any additional questions. We thank you so much for tuning in today and we hope everybody has a good break. Until next week.